chapter 34. Happy birthday. Same day, Monday, May 27th, 1935. We stay outside for the longest time, counting and cataloging rocks and shells. Piper and I are Nat's helpers, doing exactly what she tells us to do. I've never known Piper to take orders from anybody before, but she is now. We are a team, and Nat is in charge. When we do finally get home, it's almost dark, and my mother's there. She's in the kitchen frosting a cake. She has made a sign that says, Happy Birthday, Natalie, and cut, curled, and painted long strips of newspaper to make confetti streamers, exactly like the ones my mom made last year. How's my birthday, girl? My mom asks Natalie. Natalie says nothing. She threads one newspaper streamer through her fingers. Piper, my mom says, maybe you'd like to come to Natalie's birthday party. Piper smiles, her charm school smile. I'd love to, Mrs. Flanagan, she says. My heart dips low in my chest. I don't want to have Piper here for Natalie's party. We never invite anyone else. I'm surprised my mom asked her. I look at the cake my mother is frosting, the number 10 on top, just like every other year. Seven o'clock tonight, right after supper, my mom says. Shall I invite some of the other kids, Piper asks. Oh, no, let's keep it small, shall we, my mom says. Her voice, her eyes avoid mine. The smile on her face is the one she uses when parents of an obnoxious piano student ask how he's doing. I go in my room and don't come out until supper, which I wolf down without saying a word, and then return to my room. I plan on staying here until the last possible moment, which comes way too soon for me. Hey, Moose, we're having a party out here, Piper bangs on my bedroom door. She has a present wrapped in funny papers in one hand and a juice jar filled with lemonade in the other. Moose, my dad comes in where I'm sitting on my bed. Did someone give you grumpy pills today? He puts my head in an arm lock and gives my scalp a good knock. Quit it, Dad, I say, but I can feel a smile creep on my face. Grumpy with a capital G, my father says. He winks at Piper, then whispers to me. What's the matter? Isn't one girlfriend good enough? I'm here as Natalie's friend. This has nothing to do with Moose, Piper announces as she pushes up, pushes the sleeves of her sweater up past her elbows. Yes, well, I can see why, my father says. Go get yourself a hat and act like you're at a party, Moose. You're getting a bad reputation with the girls. Natalie looks up from the handful of streamers in her lap. Teresa, she says. My father laughs. Yes, you're right, honey. That's your brother's other girlfriend, isn't it? I go into the kitchen to get a hat. Natalie is running her hand over and over the orange streamers attached to the pitcher. Piper is right behind me. She looks at the cake with the big ten on it and then back at Natalie through the doorway. I feel my face get hot. I'm suddenly so angry at my mother I can barely speak. Teresa, 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 I hear Natalie say. Why is she saying that, I ask my mom. Don't ask me. Shame on you, Moose. Go ask your sister, my mother says. Natalie looks up, not quite at anybody, but just, but up just the same. Teresa here, Natalie says. Teresa. My mother's face lights up. Did you hear that, Moose? Did you? Now you move those overgrown feet of yours and invite Teresa over. I knock on the madaman's door. Teresa answers, already in her pajamas. Of course Natalie wants me, silly. We're friends. She informs me when I tell her that what Natalie said. Jimmy, Teresa hollers. She ducks into Jimmy's room and drags him out. Jimmy looks dazed, like he's been living underwater. Mommy, she calls Mrs. Madaman. Jimmy and me are going to the Flanagans. Back in our kitchen, we start singing. But before we even get through birthday, Teresa puts her hand up like a policeman and yells, Wait, we forgot Annie. We all look at her. My mother's cheek twitches a little, like she's not pleased about this. She opens her mouth to object, but too late. Teresa is already out the door. When Annie arrives, she smiles at us, and we all begin singing again. This time, we get all the way through. Hey, Natalie, did you know your birthday is 
four months and ten days after Al Capone's, Annie says as my mom cuts the cake. January 17, Natalie says. 17. That's his birthday, all right. I made a card for him, too, Teresa says. I cut out little circles to look like bullet holes and everything. How did he get that scar anyway, I ask. My father winks at me. Girl trouble, he says. My mother starts to open Natalie's presents. I'm not sure why we bother wrapping them. Natalie doesn't understand why presents should be wrapped. If you give her a wrapped gift, she takes it and puts it on her shelf that way. Mrs. Flanagan, what are you doing? Teresa asks. My mother gets a little red. She flashes her pinched smile. Natalie doesn't really... I can almost see her searching for the right word. Care to open her own gifts. Excuse me, Mrs. Flanagan, but that's my job, Teresa snatches the half-wrapped present out of my mother's hand and rips the rest of the wrapping off. Oh, my mother says. She and my dad exchange a bit of a smile. My mom moves the presents over to where Teresa is sitting. The first gift is from me. It's a math workbook I got at school. From Piper, she gets a bag of buttons. Thank you, Piper. These will be for later, my mom winks at Piper, and then slips the bag of buttons in her apron pocket. Teresa gives Nat my father's gift, a book about birds with an enormous index, and from my mother, a book bag with Natalie Flanagan, the Esther P. Marinoff School, embroidered on the front. My mom doesn't embroider. I don't think she even knows how. Convicts in the tailor shop, my dad whispers in my ear. The gifts are all unwrapped now, and Natalie is looking at them. She touches each with her fingertips and then sniffs every one. We talk for a while, and when it's time for everyone to leave, my father says, Moose, walk your friends home, please. Or maybe I should just, I should say your harem, he whispers in my ear. Yours and Jimmy's, that is. Give it a rest, Dad, I say. My dad rumples my hair. His eyes are bright and hopeful. We all walk together. First we drop off Jimmy and Teresa, then Annie. Good night, you two, Annie says to me and Piper. I don't like the way she says this. I pull out my shirt collar, which is pinching my neck. We walk up the steep road to Piper's house. It's beautiful out. The black-blue night all around. The black, black water. San Francisco like a bright box of lights. This is the most beautiful place I've ever been. Then I look at the cell house, sad and silent. The lights are dim. I don't hear anything except from deep inside the sound of one metal cup clanging the length of the bars and one lone voice calling for help. What's that? I ask, careful not to sound too spooked. They do that now and then. Usually it's a bunch of them. That way it's hard to tell who's doing it. What's the matter? I ask. Who knows, Piper says. When we get to her house, she stops. How old is she really? She asks. I don't say anything. Fifteen? She asks. Sixteen, my voice answers. My whole body flames hot and sweaty, then cold. Piper nods. That's what we figured, she says. I walk back down the hill, the word we buzzing inside my head like a fly in a small room. Chapter 35, The Truth. Same day, Monday, May 27th, 1935. When I get home, my mom is doing the dishes. Natalie is sitting in the living room, paging through a magazine. For a second, there's something so normal about this, until I realize the pages are turning too fast. She's holding the magazine too close to her face. It's the breeze from the spinning pages she's after. My mom seems more relaxed. The party went well. The day is almost over. Natalie seems fine, as calm as she ever is. I try to walk away, shut the door of my room, but I can't. Something inside won't let me. You can't do this, I tell my mother. What? She looks. My mother looks up from the pot she's scored, scoring. She isn't ten, I say my voice hoarse. My mother winces and turns away. Yes, she is, she says in a tough voice. 
No, she's not, Mom. She's not, and everybody knows it. My mom continues to stare at the pot. Her face is quivering. Her hands are scrubbing. She is, she sputters. No, Mom, you know she's not. Eleven, my mom gulps. She sounds like a very little girl. I'm going to say she's eleven. It's just her birthday today. She looks sixteen. She is sixteen. No, just no, my mother roars. People know, Mom. They know. They don't know, she cries, tears streaming down her face. You don't know. She won't have a chance at sixteen. No one will take her. No one cares about an adult that isn't right. It's only kids who have a chance. It's too late if she's sixteen. Don't you see? Yeah, but, Mom, you can't pretend. It's worse. People know. No one knows. They don't know and they don't care. Put her in an institution. Do you know how many times I've heard that? Lock her up with all the nuts. She has to be ten. It's the only chance she has. Don't you think they know at the Esther P. Marinoff? Don't you think Mr. Purdy can tell? Everybody can tell, Mom. No, they can't. She's tall for her age. You're tall, too. She's not going to be like everybody else, Mom. This is her only chance, and it's no chance at all if you're honest, if you're not honest. Don't say it. Don't you dare say anything. My mom's hands are pressed over her ears. My father rushes inside. He had been out on the front balcony chewing at his toothpicks. He must have heard us. He looks at my mom, then me. What the heck is going on here? Natalie is 16, Dad. We can't pretend she's not anymore. She isn't 10. She just isn't. My dad bites his lip hard. Let's not do this now, Moose. Not with the interview tomorrow. We have to do it now. Mr. Purdy knows. Everybody does. We can't try to fool them. It won't work. She won't get in. My father's eyes get big. He shakes his head, but so slowly he seems to be saying no to what he's thinking. Not to me. It's quiet in the kitchen. My mother is sitting on the step stool, her face buried in her hands. My father turns away. I can see by how he covers his head with his hands. He's now ashamed he is how ashamed he is of crying. Moose, he says, trying to wipe the tears away with his handkerchief. He takes a big, noisy breath. No, my mom cries, no! Natalie's in the living room, silently rocking. My dad presses his lips together and wipes at his eyes. He seems to get himself together and breathes a half breath, half sigh. Moose is right, honey. Don't you dare, my mother cries. Yes, he says again. He puts his arm around my shoulders and walks me out to the living room where Natalie is sitting, rocking. Natalie, he asks softly, his voice breaking, how old are you? I'm 16 at 2.31 today, Natalie says, her eyes focused on the table lamp. My father presses his lips so hard together they turn white. The tears are falling again, so fast it looks like as if he can't see. He puts his arm around me and pulls me to Natalie. He puts his arm other arm around her. I am. He wipes at his eyes with his shoulders so he doesn't have to let go of us. So very proud of my children. So very proud. A sob escapes his chest. What wonderful people you've grown to be.